Oh, yeah. I think I Is her name Gina or something? Yeah, yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fuel the Fight podcast. Lieutenant Colonel Nick Barringer uh, with you today. Hey, today we're going to talk about a, a really important topic that I don't think we've covered uh, up until this uh, episode. And, and that's that's mindfulness, right? And, and that, um, you know, kind of mental hygiene that needs to take place. And so I went out and got the expert, you know, here uh, in San Antonio, uh, Melissa Gary, um, who has worked so so much, you know, for the past decade. We were just talking uh, with warfighters in this topic. So, Melissa, thanks so much for coming on the show. Of course. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is something that uh, you talk about the past decade. Most of it has been volunteer because this is kind of one of those squishy topics mm. that people can easily dismiss and overlook the relevance and importance of it. Yeah, no, uh, and that was why, you know, like like me, for instance. So I think we've done like 30 episodes, and I, I, this is the first time we're really – actually, Colonel Mike's story. Talked yes, a little yep. bit about mindfulness. Okay, so I can't leave him. I, I apologize. Um, you know, he had, but he did his research, to be fair. He did his research on that, yeah. whereas, like, you're living, breathing – you know, doing this stuff every day. So, so the fact that it took over 30 episodes to make this happen, uh, that, that's a ding on me and just shows that, yeah, you know, people need to think more about it. Um, but one of the things I wanted to touch on, because I know this is very personal for you, is, is how you got working with the military and what, what kind of drives you to help uh, warfighters out in, in mindfulness. Yeah, so actually it goes all the way back. Um, my husband and I are high school sweethearts. And uh, he, when he was joining the military, I was try like, what am I gonna do with my life, right? Like, where is this gonna go? So I ended up, while he, he joined, went to college, and while he was deployed to Afghanistan, I went to my first 200-hour yoga teacher training. And part of that was because somebody had showed me an article about the benefits of yoga for uh, post-combat, post-traumatic stress, and all of that stuff. So I took an interest of like, when I read that article, I was like, that's what I wanna do, is I wanna bring yoga to the military, I wanna serve, and also be equipped to support my husband in his career. And so when he, once he came back from deployment, I officially moved to Fort Bragg. There was like one yoga studio and I just went for it. I worked for the MWR and the um, Warrior Transition Battalion and I was leading yoga and I started fulfilling unit requests on Fort Bragg for PT. So that's kind of where it started. And then I developed a program that I partnered with the Wounded Warrior Project. That was when I really got to see the efficacy of this stuff because these people were coming in and some of them were still in or they were getting med boarded out, but bringing mindfulness uh, and the education, because that was within the program. It wasn't just, hey, we're gonna do a yoga class. It was, well, why are we doing these things? What is the benefit? And then also working with their family members. And I will never forget, and it was one of, probably one of the most emotional moments of my career, was sitting with, um, he had just gotten out of the military and he told me that the VA told him he was broken. Mm. And how by going through the program, he, it was for the first time, cause we were doing uh, different mindfulness techniques for sleep. And then of course the regular yoga classes and equipping them with ways to bring it into their life. He had said for the first time, like he was sleeping and he was seeing that he wasn't broken. And after being told, I think there's so many people who maybe have had a physical injury or navigating mental challenges and whether it's the system that tells you you're broken or you feel, especially for athletes, right? If you get injured and you can't do what you used to do, 
that can lead down to a cascade of mental health challenges and realizing that there's hope and it's not something necessarily external, but that we have this, these capabilities and this inner resource within, it's so empowering and it also shifts people to begin to participate in their healthcare alliance versus being kind of in a victim say of just being passed and recycled, but saying, wait a second, I can do these techniques, I can do these things, I could practice reframe and all of the means of mental performance and mindfulness in general Yoga is really how we get to the mind, but we also can do this in physical training. But it's so empowering. And after working with the Wounded Warrior Project for a few years and delivering that program, uh, we ended up getting stationed at Fort Sam. So it was really hard as a military spouse leaving Fayetteville. That community, will I'll forever hold it in my heart because I had done so much work there. So starting from scratch here was really intimidating. Um, and just very briefly, I ended up kind of shifting more into civilian sector, opened some yoga studios in San Antonio, had our training programs for the civilian side, and then I ended up doing a partnership with the USO in 2018. Uh, the USO had a primary focus on military spouses because they had just done a, a study to show that military spouses struggle with three things mostly, and that is community, career, and self-identity. And reading about the study as a military spouse, I saw myself in that in a lot of ways. And um, I, you know, mastermind with them to develop a program to support military spouses. But part of the program was how do we bring them together to foster community? And that's when we opened Mill Mind Body in 2019, which was the first yoga studio to ever open on a military base. And that was really big um, with our programming. And then we just had an open schedule so personnel and families could come in and receive services. And it, it was fueled by my business. So I have my schools and the civilian side. All of that was what funded our ability to bring that here to Fort Sam. Unfortunately, the pandemic closed that down, but things then took a different direction to where I am now with pro uh, developing more mindfulness programs for the U.S. Army, mm -hmm. advising, being an H2F subject matter expert. And so my mission continues on. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. And, and, and Melissa, you know, I love it. Like you hit on so many things in terms of, yeah, you know, being told you're broken. And when your identity is a soldier, like dealing with that and coming to terms with that, um, the the identity struggles with the, the military spouse um, because yeah, you're, you're so connected to the army, but, but you're not in the army per se, even though we talked about it, you're, you're still serving, you're still playing, you know, a crucial role in that, that service member's career and, and, and how they progress. Um, and then I, I just love the fact that like, I didn't even realize this till now is like, you're, you're using, you know, uh, your resources, uh, you're making in the private sector to, to fund that, um, you know, to, to help service members even more. Um, so, so all that, that is awesome. Is there any, you know, potential for that mill? Is it the mill mind body mm -hmm. to, to come back to, to the force or? Well, you know, in order to bring something like that onto a military base, you have to have an MOU, you have mm. to have partnerships. And, you know, what I learned is, there's a there's a there's an access barrier when you have something in a physical space having physical things is of relevance we know this post pandemic we need to be together we need community um, but the challenge of getting people there, we found that it was mostly a lot of the personnel and weren't really able to get a lot of the family members, but our online program was really, really successful. And to this day, we still serve so many military spouses through our free foundations course. Um, I don't know if I'll be bringing another yoga studio on base.
space, mostly because manning that, you know, and, and funding that. I think that where the Army is going is really, really exciting because, like you said, service members come home to their families. And what they bring home or, you know, as silly as, like, you're at breakfast and then all of a sudden, you know, your partner needs to leave so they can go do a pee test to make <laughs> sure, like, they don't test positive. Or, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. the random disruptions that happen, like, that is something that spouses do carry. However, as much as I believe in optimizing the spouse, I think that when we nourish and care for our soldiers, they are better, co they find coherence easier. And, you know, we, we use, overuse the word resilience. But really, it's how we regulate. And they're able to process and regulate the stresses and can come home with more support and compassion and understanding. And I think that brings more coherence to the marriage, to the partnerships, to the, the child-parent relationship. So um, I, I find a deep interest in serving, the, serving spouses, but especially service members, because a lot of the challenges actually start there. And that's what I learned from my work with the Wounded Warrior Project is, you know, a lot of spouses become the caregiver, you know, at some point in the journey, especially if there's injuries or um, even just the process of a soldier getting out of the military, right? That transition uh, can come with a lot of different challenges and fear. And um, if we prepare our soldiers so we're leaving them better than we found them, and we truly mean that, and we invest our time, energy, and resources into ensuring that soldiers are, le like, when they get out, they're better than when they came in, then that's only going to help the families even more. No, I mean, and, and society, right? Yeah, I mean, for I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit on so many things about uh, the, the health of that family, you know, unit. I mean, for for just being good people, we, we need that to occur. But then, like, knowing that the, the healthier that, that family unit is, the, the, the better the marriage, the better, you know, that all that goes, that's going to affect the way people work. That's going to affect, you know, that, that is going to affect performance. That yeah. is a performance issue. Um, because as, as we were talking before, you know, we came on air, it's like the, the military lifestyle, you, you can't really compartmentalize that. I mean, you can try, but, but yeah. it's not like it's, it's going to bleed over into everything that occurs within that family. Um, so I love your, uh, you know, kind of term, you know, it's, it's more about not necessarily resilience, resilience is a component, but like regulating, um, yeah. those, those stressors. Well, and having open conversations. I mean, communication is really what builds relationship and trust. And when we're able to regulate and reflect, because a lot of this is our own personal inquiry of, I'm struggling with this, or I know this about my boundaries, or just knowing ourselves, right? Like, it's that, that art of war quote, that like, when you know yourself, you win all battles. And in that, we can have real, honest, conversations and I think about the challenges we've navigated as a military family that even having open dialogue and being able to feel safe enough in that open dialogue so we can negotiate as a family versus anybody feeling and even my kid right like this is her childhood this is her experience this is going to inform how she evolves into an adult and if we are always in a space of just suck it up this is the way it is or there's no room for your feelings here then that tells her that it's not safe for her to share how she feels. Mm. And so all of this stuff teaches us also how to be in relationship and then have empathy and really listen and not take it on as something personal, but take it on as an opportunity for us to connect deeper. Yeah, no, I mean, that, wow, that, that, that hits home. And, and especially because, you know, from the, the military side of it, we, 
you know, we're, we've kind of been trained for the past you know, years. It's like the exact opposite. Like you said, we, we are, you nailed it. Like the, the suck it up. Like, like we don't talk about feelings. Yeah. What, are, what are feelings? I, I don't understand. Yeah. You know, and, and so you have that throughout your career. And, and yeah, that, that does, you know, I've, I've been guilty of that as a parent, you know, uh, you, that does bleed over into, uh, in, into maybe, you know, your kids. And, and if you don't realize it, you know, that, that, Hey, they need to be, be able to feel safe to express their emotions. So, I mean, how do you, like, wh what are the steps, uh, that, that folks can take to, to getting there or what's like yeah. the first, you know? So I look at this, this is emotional hygiene, right? Okay. And it's part of mental hygiene where we're able to, like when I think about our ability to express our feelings, part of the reason we struggle with, if someone brought, like if your soldier came to you with a problem, right? Or your child's upset and saying, you know, like saying something that makes you feel ashamed almost of, like I can't be there, or your spouse says something. Usually our resistance to that is not because of them, but because we don't know how to deal with our own feelings. We don't know how to deal with the, the thoughts and the, you know, the energy that comes with that. And when we are programmed and in a system of, you know, avoid or bypass, this creates reactivity. So this leads to a lot of the mindfulness stuff. So if every, if we're not aware of why we do what we do, everything we do is pure impulse. If you think about that, it's like if we're not aware of why we do what we do, then we're just reacting and we're in impulse, which reaction is really the opposite of responding. It's like we're just going to react. But if I take in the information and I'm aware of the experience I'm having with this and then I respond with emotional intelligence to it, then we can have better actions and choices. So I want to talk a little bit about the human weapon system since that is so that's like a common oh, yeah. topic in human yeah. performance. And I don't think we spend enough time breaking down what this is, because this is when we break it down, then we can really understand how we get to those places. So if you look at the mechanics of a, a machine, right, you have the actual machine, which can represent the body of a human. You have the energy or like the electricity moving through the machine, which represents our energy, right? We, we mm -hmm. got to remember as humans, we're molecular. Mm -hmm. So inside molecules is electrons, protons, neutrons, mm -hmm. which have a resonance. Mm -hmm. So whether we're feeling energized or the ATP in our cells are effective, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. We can go so many different directions to understand energy. But our own vitality is an important aspect. And then with the machine, something we don't talk about is there's always a program to the machine, like telling the machine how to operate. And within ourselves, we have a program. We have neural patterns. We have thought forms that are like consistent thought forms and dialogue in our mind. So being aware of what is what are my beliefs, what are the programs, what are the impressions that I have in myself of why I do what I do or what I'm supposed to do or the expectations I put on myself. Being aware of how I feel, the energy. And then is the body effective and healthy and working optimally? It's in human performance, we'll spend a lot of time looking at just the body. All right, we're going to train. Oh, yeah. And some of the shadows that come with that is disembodiment, right? Where people end up doing the workouts, but and they're getting through it. We're just doing it to get it done, right? We're doing it just to get through it versus really being present with what we're experiencing in the training. When we, when we build self-awareness, because the benefit of working out in general or you know, PT or drills or training is to build patterns. You know, in the military, we call it movement lethality, right? So we're building these neural mm -hmm. patterns so it becomes our default. 
But if we're just rushing through things and we're not bringing self-awareness to it, most people will disassociate when they work out. And this is where we miss so much opportunity to train the nervous system for that resilience that affects our families, that affects our career and our life and our choices. So if you think about the human weapon system, the ways to optimize it is that through physical training, can we bring self-awareness so we're aware of the thoughts that are coming to our mind? Are we aware of our stress control and the energy in our body? And when we infuse those components into training, you don't even have to tell someone to feel better. You don't even have to tell someone they need to figure out how to regulate. Like those are natural byproducts of the system, of the nervous system, of the human weapon system. And that's really my mission is how do we bring education and train effective human performance optimization through these different traits that are already accessible within us. We're just not exercising those aspects. So what would that look at? So using the example of, of a workout, yeah. what, what might that, that look at? Because, I, you know, I, again, it's like you're talking to me. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, I mean, some of the things, I, like I know I, I disassociate in terms of when I do something hard, because like on, I'll give an example, like a ruck march, I'm carrying a heavy ruck. Yeah. I, my body is moving, my mind's somewhere else. I'm gone. Like yeah. I, I'll, I'll sometimes like check out mentally and I'm just like one foot in front of the other. I'm on autopilot and I'm, you know, off doing something else in my mind. Um, so that that's not a good practice, yeah. right? So so how like how do you get to the point to where you're 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 doing that? Or? Well, one thing is, are we preparing for like how do we prepare for rec marches? Mm -hmm. So even before, what are we doing to warm up the body? Usually there might be some mobility training or stretching, but in that, are we using our breath and then building breath um, literacy? So while we're we're rucking, are you noticing? Oh, I stopped breathing. And just take like feeling what it feels like to take a big breath in. And I even invite, if you're listening to this, just take a big breath in and sigh it out and notice how you feel. I mean, it literally refreshes the body. And then with the mind, so in um, 7-22, it talks about per, uh, performance imagery. And I came up with this idea of like performance statements. Like what are the statements and thoughts in the mind to affirm that I am valid, I am good enough, or I am, you know, I'm aware, whatever the intention is. Are we just being present with it? Because there is going to be sometimes in physical exertion, you're going to have to just get through it. Yes. I mean, if you think about a combat experience, there are going to be, like, you're not going to be, if you're in the middle of a firefight and you're rushing to carry someone to a helicopter, you're probably not going to be in this reflective state. Yeah, you're yeah. going to get them to the helicopter. So it, from a practical standpoint, we want to make sure, though, that once after something happens or after the ruck march, are you able to regulate back to coherence or are you still in a sympathetic state? Are you um, wearing the body so much where you're not giving it a chance to recover? So I would say it's actually like in some cases the ruck march matters like in itself, mm -hmm. but how we prepare for that and then how we recover after is really where all those benefits come in. Okay. So so when we're, we're preparing for it, um, like what, what sort of practices or things do you recommend? Yeah, so I think that it's up to if someone's guiding it or you're self-directing it within yourself, are you aware of your body? So when you grab the the weights, I'm really not into weight training, so yeah. if I use wrong terms, nah. that's not my specialty. But let's just say you pick up the weights and are you just like picking them up yeah. just to move through the motions or do you feel your feet anchored on the ground? Are you engaging the core? Do you do a, just a, a somatic check-in? Mm -hmm. Hey, what's going on in my body? And then as you feel the, the grip, are you paying attention to how that feels? Can you use your breath? When you use your breath, is that initiating the movement? And then when you're finished, do you take a moment just to pause, notice your body down regulating?
So it's, it's, some people might feel like that can slow it down, but it actually will give you, you'll be probably more effective in your reps. You'll be more effective in your training. And also including in that rest periods are not just in between workouts where we're panting and mm. waiting for the timer to go for us to start again. Rest periods or recovery is where you find a position that's relaxing for the nervous system. Examples of that would be a forward fold. So anytime you take your head below your heart, you lower your blood pressure. It downregulates the nervous system. So a forward fold is really great, whether it's a wide-legged forward fold. Uh, in yoga, we call it child's pose. It could also be you just laying on your back for a few moments, just allowing your nervous system to regulate. So those are just examples. So that body awareness and then, of course, awareness of how we use our breath because the breath is our life force. It's, it's going to be where we exert, preserve, and regulate our nervous system. So how are we using that? So those are the two big things is recovery and the breath and then the self-awareness of like the proprioceptive awareness that we're experiencing in the training. No, I like that, especially at yeah, the forward fold. I never even thought about that whenever we're getting the, the, the head uh, below the heart um, for the recovery. In terms of the, the yoga piece and, and how that was incorporated, yeah, how do you see that like fitting in? I mean, is that a a component of physical training or is that a separate entity is that something like like how how have you been you know working it in or you've seen it being kind of programmed in the units that, that practice it yeah i think it's a little bit of both i think when we one thing that with the military and whether it's culture or just optimizing what we're doing if we're adding a bunch of new things i think that can get lost so it's not necessarily about adding yoga to the schedule of course that can be really great to complement. We know that with our work with 232, for example, that adding yoga for rehabilitation has efficacy. But if we are bringing the traits of yoga, so in research, one of the challenges with studying yoga is that there's so many variables. That, like, if you think about all the styles out there mm. and all, you know, if I tell you, if I say yoga, maybe the first thought that comes to people's mind is someone who looks like a pretzel or like a white woman or whatever. Mm. Like, there's these cultural impressions of what that is that I think alone will create access barriers. But if we are looking at all these varier, variables, you can't, it's hard to research something that's so dynamic. So, what they do is they look at the traits. What are consistent traits in yoga? And that is breath, self awareness or like um, they call it also welcoming presence where we just notice how we feel, relaxation and movement. So if we apply those traits to physical training in general, so like what I just said, adding more breath awareness and guiding soldiers with their breath by giving them guidance to, hey, check in, notice, let's do self-inventory. Take a moment for self-inventory. And this is whether it's drill sergeants or whoever's training, take a moment for self-inventory and we do these these pauses in laying down a forward fold, whatever, check in for self inventory. And then you have the recovery at the end, right? That relaxation. So maybe like in yoga, we have Shavasana at the end. So relaxation pose. So doing something where we're just going to relax and downregulate, take a few moments, and then we're going to go to chow. Then we're going to go to the next thing. And then of course, movement, movement's movement. If you look at all the styles of yoga and then with my work within the tactical industry and seeing fitness, like a lot of it, we're calling it mobility, but I mean, really it's yoga. Like mm -hmm. a lot of the things we're already doing is yoga. But if you really want the benefits that, you know, research has shown, it's important that we add these traits. So how can we add some of these traits to what we're already doing? So 
with that, so we're riding it, you know, you have the, the mobility piece of it. How often, like, what's what's the dose? Does it does it vary, or is there kind of a, a baseline prescriptive dose? You should be doing this for X amount of time, this many days per week. So they have found in um, that if you do a 60-minute dose of it, so to speak, versus, like, five minutes all throughout your day randomly, mm-hmm. it's the same benefits. Mm. So I don't think this is why like the cultural aspect of, hey, we can take a few moments. Like if you're sitting at your desk and your back starts to ache for you just to take a few moments to do the spinal movements or just take a few breaths to stand up and press on your low back, get a back bend, that stuff counts. And so there's an aspect in, in, in the civilian world. So with my, so I own Melmarie Yoga. Mm-hmm. And one of our missions is to teach people how to live like they practice. So how we take these techniques and bring it into our day-to-day that if you're a mom sitting in car rider line, you can do different tapping or breathing practices to help with regulation. You don't necessarily need that 60-minute time. But I would say that if you're doing just a little bit every day, you're going to see benefits. And what's so cool about this work and going this way is most of these benefits are just a byproduct. So let's, let's, if we kind of look at spiritual hygiene, mm-hmm. for example, like someone feeling connected to meaning and purpose in life. You know, if you're a leader and your soldier comes to you with an issue with that, or let's say your spouse comes to you with an issue with that, whoever, and you're, you're like, well, life is worth living. Life is good. You have a great family. You should be happy. Look how blessed you are. All of us know that that doesn't, that's not as effective, like just right. telling people to feel better. It doesn't yeah. work. And that's because our mind is so influenced by the body because the body leads and the mind follows. So if my nervous system is hyper aroused and then what that causes is my executive functioning in my brain to be dampened or offline, you telling me there's a bigger picture, well, not a, that doesn't change anything for me. I can't see that. But when we train with these skills, we, f- we know that, well, this stuff can help thicken the prefrontal cortex. It affects amygdala activity in the brain. It will change the nervous system. So that soldier or that person will automatically in time, after probably after three weeks to a month, I've seen this so many times again and again, just after a few weeks of doing this, that starts to change. I never had to tell you to feel better. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you just start perceiving and reframing, and those aspects of your brain are now optimized so you can connect with that yourself. And that's why like in the civilian world, I think, especially with yoga, there's this connection of spirituality, right? Like people will connect it there. And that's because when you look at spiritual hygiene, spiritual hygiene is just how we get through hard times. If you really make it simple, it's what you do to get through hard times. Well, people start to feel that they can handle hard times differently. Are they able, they're regulating, they're reframing. And you never had to tell them, you just, we just changed these things about your nervous system. We exercised it in ways that our culture just does not normalize. So that's one of the benefits, right? No, I mean, I, yeah, again, you nailed some stuff that really I'm, I'm, I'm kind of digesting and thinking about is like with the regulation and the importance of, of practicing that, it makes clear sense when you gave your example of somebody struggling with something. And we're, you know, telling them to get better is like, yeah, if, if, if that individual is not practicing regulating when things are good, yeah. and then all of a sudden we're expecting them to regulate when things are bad. Yeah. That doesn't make sense, right? Like that, yeah, I'm thinking like working out, like, you know, I don't train you and I just put the weight on the bar and I say, hey, lift, lift harder, but they've never lifted weights. So I kind of see it as that. So no, that light bulb definitely went off for me. Maybe I'm just a little slow, but I never looked at it that way. Uh, in terms of, you know, that's kind of the importance of these little practices. And I, and I think, 
the uh, you know m making it it's is how, how you you painted it it's so much more accessible when when we look at it in those little chunks of time versus okay I gotta I gotta block off 60 minutes of my day I'm looking at my calendar where do I do that to do this this sort of regulation training or mindfulness or yoga yeah. or whatever but if I'm like hey I, I have this 10 minute block here I have this five minute block here knowing that I'm gonna get the same benefits of kind of spreading it out well, and it's, I think there's just an education gap, right? Because also this stuff can seem unproductive or not productive. But when you look at really high functioning people that like this does not mean hardship doesn't happen in your life. And that's something that I think if we reconcile that it's not about stopping challenge because you're not. We live in a dualistic world. Like there's love, there's hate. Like we live in duality. And if we can reconcile that it's not about just that if I do this stuff, I'll always feel better it, or it's going to protect me from hardship, but it's that we're preparing the nervous system that life is going to happen and I'm able to be present and then negotiate, work with my tools, use it for things as they come. And I think a lot of people who struggle with all this anxiety of what's going to happen in the future, my career, like all this forward stuff or people who are holding on to all this past stuff, these practices train our brain, disrupt those negative feedback loops to be present, like to be here mm -hmm. and reclaim our lives in a way. And this is stuff that it's not necessarily communicated. So what's cool is you don't have to sell this. It's just that you thread it into training, you thread it into workouts and people start, or they're more present with their kids. They're more present with their spouse. They're able to take care of tasks way quicker and efficiently because the body's just optimized. No, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds great. So again, you know, from the practical standpoint, for folks listening, you know, where where do they start? Like, what, what do you recommend? Like, like for the person who's, who's not doing any of this, that's yeah. listening to this is like, and like, hey, everything Lisa says sounds really good. They're yeah. nodding their head. They're like, you know, where, where do I get started? There's a lot of ways. I mean, for for those who are in the military, we have yoga classes on divots. Right. So and they're all tailored based off of H2F. So it's all competencies and aspects that are going to help you in your career. So I did not know that. I could yeah, that I can give yeah. you the link. You can yeah, also we'll put it. You could search Melissa Aguirre on Divids and they'll all come up. Okay. Um, but what's so that's like an easy place. And for leadership, if you're looking for something to use with your soldiers, that's what we do with 232 is you put it on the project, the yoga class on the projector and they can do the yoga like you don't I don't necessarily need to be there it's really it's about the experience the soldiers and the individuals are having with these practices um, I would also say go on your own self-exploration with this there is no right or wrong to the journey of it because if you just want to get into reading some books or to just begin you're gonna find there's things you're not gonna like and it's like physical training or fitness like mm. there's some things you're gonna like and then some things you're not if you don't like something then don't do it. Don't like go find something a little different with it. So where to begin? I find that a lot of people start this stuff when they're in crisis mode because they're grasping for solutions or they're dealing with chronic pain and they were recommended to try to start trying this. That's why I think the divots classes are really great because there's literally yoga for pain management on there. So there's nice. th th there's actual classes. But I think that let your curiosity roam and search podcasts on this topic and learn more about it. But even just in your day-to-day -day life, notice when you're not breathing. So just start to pay attention. If we move out of I got to fix all these problems and we just move into I want to be curious, 
Because this is part of it is like we will jump to I have these stress issues. I have these problems in my marriage. I have all these things. I need to fix it. Right. That's a program. And when we like this train thing of like it's wrong to have problems. We're human. We are not perfect. But if we start to get curious about our edges and our problems and our struggles, like why why does that, why am I struggling with my leadership? Why does that bug me? Or why does that thing my spouse does make me feel, like what is that making me feel? It's making me feel not seen. Like just getting curious about our mental, emotional challenges begins to open the door of options and opportunities that we can start to either communicate or there might be a proper practice or something you find just by Googling that can support you in that. But like I said earlier, when we are so reactive of, oh, that's that's a problem equals bad, I need to either disassociate or solve and fix, both bypass what you're really being invited into. Every challenge is an invitation. It's an invitation for us to level up in our personal development. It's an invitation for us to learn to relate to one another a little deeper. And But we've been told that it's bad and wrong to be human. And what the gift of this stuff is, is it brings our agency back that I don't have to perform or, you know, be disembodied in this way, but I get to connect back into my strengths, my process, my journey and reconcile that, you know, and and I think that we need that in our culture, you know. No, no, that's I love the curious and and I love, you know, kind of the the mindset of every you know challenge is, is an opportunity or invitation um as you put it uh so i, I love that you, you know you touched on breath work and um so are there any breath patterns or anything you, you recommend kind of again for the for the beginner i know there's a lot out there yeah i think that just a big breath in and okay. sigh it out is it's an easy way to diffuse build up nervous energy and tension in the body and it feels good like that's something else when we do things that actually feel good for our body which this is so you know contrary to what we've been socialized in the military but when you do things that feel good in your body you derail painful pathways because you're creating pleasurable neuromuscular pathways in your body this is a way for us to befriend our human weapon system for us to befriend the body and learn to utilize it in a in effective ways versus being disconnected so a big breath in and side out it can just feel good and that's okay like lean into the things that feel good for your body um, and another one of my favorites is four part breath where you inhale for four so inhale one two three four hold exhale so you just visualize this four part breath and you follow that that's a really great way to neutralize your nervous system so if i got a if i got a big talk you know I, i'm going to before i get on stage you thinking four part breath or is that what oh yeah it'll help clear yeah. the mind but for a lot of people if you're new it might feel following your breath can be really intimidating part of that is because we're disconnected from our bodies so another great thing you can interlace your fingers and just do this with your wrist and big breath in and side out and that's a way i'm really big on how do we feels really nice especially yeah, yeah, right yeah, a lot yeah. um or even using so in training i do a lot of breath centric training so this is where we use the breath to initiate movement so inhale open exhale close and just let the breath initiate that like in physical training what i'll do is we'll take drills and we'll connect breath centric repetition because that's going to train you to build a relationship with your breath. Most of us don't have that, so that's why it's hard just to sit and breathe. 
but you could just do this with your hands. I think about like with kids too. I do this with my mm. daughter where it's like inhale big, exhale, and just doing these things that get the body to reconnect with your breath. And then in time, you're going to have a lot more breath control. Love it. Have you have you done any work? Because I know you've been doing it with a decade, so you might have because it just hit me. Have you done any like with marksmanship? Have you ever went yes. over to the range? And, yeah. Oh, big time. I'm actually really passionate about this. That's so okay. funny. Yes. Um, because with, especially with weapons qualification and training. Oh yeah, that's huge. To downregulate before and then when you fire with your breath, because a lot of times too, like with the kickback, a lot of people aren't prepared for that or they like force their bodies mm -hmm. forward to like, cause they're over preparing for it. So when you're able to soften, that's going to help also with accuracy. And I think too is the gift of training and body awareness with your relationship with your weapon. Cause you know, I mean, I, I joke and laugh uh, cause I remember the, what is it? The, the rifle, the, the prayer or like the, this is my rifle. Oh yeah, they're like, like it, but this one is yeah, mine. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Like this concept of, the, of our oneness and connection with our weapon I mean, that's proprioceptive awareness. That's feeling connected with it naturally. So when you're at the range in your training and we do exercises to move with it, it becomes, and with your breath and all these things applied, you know, that's how, like when I go train at the range, I'm really big on different drills and different movements with my breath because if I'm in a situation where someone comes in my home, now it's default on how I move with my weapon. So I also look at the relationship of how we're in relationship with the weapon and how that is in my body, how that feels in my body, and then when I'm ready to fire, how my breath is. So because a lot of times people don't really, they just go to the range, fire, 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 and then go home. Right. But if the actual tactical training is so effective because you're building neural patterns with your weapon. So when you're in a high stress situation, which that, you know, executive functioning is going to be offline, you're going to be depending on your nervous system and the patterns you've instilled to be effective. And um, I'm really big on, I actually am very passionate about this and sometimes do women's groups and different things. So. Yeah. No, I, yeah, so we we'll have to dig it. They almost know it's like marksmanship yoga or whatever. Like I that. call it mindful marksmanship. Mindful marksmanship. I love yeah. it. I'll have to. Yeah. I'm still, I, I dream that eventually I can get invited to help train at the range for uh, the army, but that hasn't happened yet. But in the civilian world, I do. Yeah, no, I, w I would be curious. Maybe yeah, to see it would be almost like a study, like using the. Uh, the, the engagement skills trainer here, it would be, it would be fun to see. Cause I, you know, my hypothesis would be if you did breath work right before those, especially new soldiers who, who don't know how to breathe, you know, et cetera, yeah. go up to the line, um, and fire, you're probably going to see improvement. Cause that's like, like you said, so many people don't understand the breath component of marksmanship. So. You gotta be in your body, especially. And I, I think this is why yoga, even just a 10, 15 minute practice because again like I said if people are disconnected from their body and we just go hey we're gonna do this breathing exercise I mean most people hearing this are probably gonna relate like a lot of people will say yeah I like I want to do breathing but then they start and it's like this feels so weird and I don't know well that's because we're we're not connected to that but the the yoga practices these techniques actually train that that integration so if you do a little practice before you go to the range or just some breath centric movement, it actually gets you back in your body. So when you train and fire and you know do different drills with the rifle, it's a lot easier to navigate your body because you're already in it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I love the, the connection of marksmanship. So, you know, kind of bringing it back and, and putting it together is, again, for, for the listeners who, who wanna get started 
uh, down this pathway. We know you got the videos on divots. Are there any specific books or specific uh, videos that you recommend? Um, oh my gosh, that's so hard. So I own a school, right? Mm -hmm. And I have an incredible reading list, so I could just give so many different book options. But I think if you're looking for lifestyle stuff, to read The Yamas and Niyamas by Deborah Adele, it, it'll blow your mind. It's so profound and life-changing. I also think if you're interested in the science and research and benefits of mindfulness and meditation to read Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, I think those are good places to start to kind of get into this stuff. Um, we have, so with my partnership with the USO, we still have our foundations course and I opened it up to the military community. So people can go to my website, melmarieyoga.com or they could go to mill mind body. So like military mill, mm. <laughs> millmindbody.com, either one. And you can either request for it or just put in and I, then I'll send you the link and all that stuff to begin. That's a 52 hour free program on yoga and all this stuff. So, that is so awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, we do like my CAA for military spouses covers tuition for my training programs. Um, we offer, I'm working with a few things to help get whether the school and army cool and different things, because a lot of people are interested in these trainings. It's just the education resource. Like I can give a discount and I do for military community, but we are in the process of supporting so people can have full ride scholarships to learn how to train this stuff. So that is so awesome. Yeah. No. And I mean, Hey, if you're listening to this and we'll, I'll put the links on there and definitely share, I mean, the 52 hour free course, yeah. I, I don't understand why, why you, you wouldn't do that if, if you're interested and you want to get better. Um, where can folks find you? So you can connect with me on Instagram at Yoga. It's a blend of my life and my yoga and then my work with the military on there. Um, so at Yoga and, of course, melmarieyoga.com. Uh, my email is melmarieyoga at gmail. So they can contact me through there. There's a lot of I, – I, I love helping connect people with resources. Um, there's a lot of nonprofits and different things that can help people in their personal life. And then I fulfill unit requests. I advise and support. So if there are – leadership or units, it doesn't matter where you are in the country who are interested in this kind of stuff. I'm always open for conversations and continuing this mission forward. This is something that it, it's hilarious because it's so full circle of being 19 years old when I started this journey. Um, you know, young, like my husband just joined the military. He goes on his deployment, coming back and wanting to bring this and seeing the interest from 2011 to now where we're at with this. It's clear the metrics are screaming for this stuff. We are at a place with stress issues and health issues that, you know, it's like, what else do we have to offer? But this is all internal stuff. Like we can, it's so cost effective. Um, and I think a big piece of it is just education and socializing it. So however I can support that mission, I'm available for anybody to reach out to. Oh, it, Melissa, thanks so much. Really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate everything you're doing and, and the passion with it. And, and I'll say, hey, I'm guilty of one of those uh, individuals of, you know, I never really thought about mindfulness. Like it was it was never on my radar because kind of like you said, it was it was always this squishy thing that I didn't really understand. Um, but just having this conversation with you today and our previous conversations like, so many light bulbs are going off and I, I love how you make it accessible, uh, you know, to, to people in terms of who, who maybe, you know, had never considered yoga before, never considered this as, as a, a way um, of, of, you know, a tool to kind of use for human performance. So I appreciate well, that. Of course. And I think that part of it is because people feel they're not mobile or flexible. I see this with a lot of people who train in the gym. They're like, 
I mean, we're so strong, but there's no mobility and that intimidation of doing this. But I always say it's not about flexibility. It's just optimizing range of motion and not just range of motion of your body, but range of motion of your mind. And when we look at the different ways that it's not about performance, you don't have to look pretty doing it. It's, that's not what it's about or that you need to touch your toes. It's about maintenance. It's about regulation. And then all the physical stuff comes later. No. Love it. Hey, thanks so much for, yeah, for coming on. Thank and, you for and having me. This time. is great. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Hope you took notes. We'll put uh, some of the links on there that Melissa talked about. Get to take advantage of her 52-hour course. But uh, thanks again for listening. Yeah.